0: Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Whether you work for government or industry, we're here to help you understand a little more about how the other side thinks. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Skyway helps you know more, win more, and do more in the government market. To learn more, visit SkywayACQ.com. In today's episode, Kevin talks to our proposal manager friend, Wendy Freeman. The topic is an often overlooked part of the proposal process, the actual document preparation. Okay, let's get started with Kevin and Wendy.
1: Uh, Wendy Freeman, welcome to the podcast again. And I'll, I'll let people who didn't hear the first one kind of give us a, a brief rundown on, on how you got into proposal, being a proposal manager, and, and, and what draws you to this uh, very important step in the overall acquisition process.
2: Well, as I said, when you introduced me in the previous podcast, Kevin, I used to do real work. I was a subject matter expert and I was preparing proposals because I had to, to stay billable. I'm transitioned from that into business development where I was also responsible for the proposal phase of a BD. And I found that what I really loved was that proposal piece of it. And I made a career decision in 2004 that I wanted to do only proposals. I I was very fortunate in the timing because the Proposal Association was really just getting started then. And the certification program was just being designed and rolled out for proposal managers. And now the association's quite large and, and quite successful, it's an international association. So, so I grew up in the profession along with the association um, and as we said before, stumbled across the podcast when I was um, preparing for the CPCM exam. I'm somebody who I, I can absorb written information only up to a point and then it really helps for me to hear it. So I would listen to the podcast when I ran and when I was on the elliptical and um, and it just was a huge, huge help to me. So that's how we ended
1: up connecting. Well, I appreciate that. I'm glad it helps you so much. And and FYI, uh, Wendy's been a, she's like member number five. You know, way back when we started the Skyway community, she was a first adopter of this concept of, you know, how, how can we take this content and help make government contracting better? Thank you for that too. So, so today's topic is the document production is, you know, what is document production? What are the things that the government can do better? Industry can do better. And, and here's the, the first thing I'll throw out is I didn't know what document production was when I was a contracting officer. And in a nutshell, it's you know managing the actual document, and so this the proposal document. So imagine, if you will, when you say when I as a government contracting officer send out an RFP, and and I need five copies, and it needs to be all printed and bound, and and there's all these compliance pieces, and there's all this process that goes on be, behind the scenes. That when it shows up in in crates, or depending on if you're taking it electronically, when it shows up in in CDs, the whole process to get there is. Somebody's doing it, <laughs> and I never thought about what's happening there. So I guess the, you know, the, the first part, can, from your perspective, having done this for a long time, what do you see as the, as the part that, that the government folks have no context of, of what happens during the whole document production process?
2: I think the best way to explain my perspective is to um, pull up for a second. And I, it sounds like I'm going a little off course, but I will circle it back around there are two opposing forces on a proposal. The first one is that the proposal can always be better. And, and, and this is a really hard concept for bright people to accept um, in a collaborative environment because a lot of people who get involved in proposals have advanced degrees. They're super smart. They think they should be able to go into their office and write a perfect proposal section and come back and get an A. It's never that way. It can always be better. Somebody else's feedback can always, always make it better. That's one force Is at continuous improvement. There's an opposing force, which is that it can always be better up until a certain point, And that point is a stop. And after that point, we can't make it any better because we're going to risk on time delivery. And, and that risk is like the one in front of a really, really big number. The Chinese (laughs) have this great saying, okay? If you look at the number 10 million, the one at the beginning of that, they always say that's that's your health. If you take the one off, what do you have? A bunch of zeros, right? So so the on-time delivery, that's that one in front of the 100 million number. So what do you want? Do you want an A++ proposal that does not get delivered on time? Or do you want a B plus proposal that gets there and gets evaluated? So, so there's these two opposing forces. And once you finally convince people that they can't do it all by themselves, that we keep working and working and working to make the proposal better and better and better, then you have to say, okay, you've worked and worked and worked, now you have to absolutely stop. So that's kind of the context for the document production piece. It's, it's the first hurdle is getting people to stop. And I've always thought it's really funny that it, it takes so much, and people complain so much when you put them on the proposal, and then you can't get them to stop. So so that's so that's like at a sort of kind of a philosophical level. That's like that's that's the first big difficulty then the second hurdle is there's something that i refer to as the insidious tweak okay this goes something like the proof copy is coming off the printer and and the proof copy is really that very very last hard copy that you have before you either burn the cds or go print all the different copies that you're going to put in your notebooks um, coming off the printer and somebody picks it up and says, oh, wow, there's a serial comma. We don't use serial commas. We better fix that because <laughs> paragraph A is going to look inconsistent with paragraph B. And, and oh, so easy to fix a comma. It'll just take two seconds. Well, technically that might be true, but here's what happens. When you fix that comma, you could be bumping something to another line. You could be bumping a table to another page. You could go over page count. You can actually throw the whole document out of whack just by fixing that one comment. And there's an even bigger danger. Once you fix that one comma, then somebody says, oh my God, there's a quarter of a space between that letter and that superscript. We can't have that, the superscript <laughs> has to be right. You can see how this yep. snowballs. Okay. I've done it. And I've all so done of it. a sudden, okay. All of a sudden, we're risking on time delivery to change a superscript, right? People just completely lose sight of what's important. So there has to be a draconian rule about when errors can be corrected and what kind of errors. If it says and it should say 40 million. Okay. And that you don't see it till it's coming off the printer. First of all, something went wrong a long time ago. But but nevertheless, things happen. That is an error. We stop production and we fix. A comma, a superscript, a a minor typo that is not going to make a big difference. It is much more important to finish and to have it be perfect. Because in the production, when we're mid-production, we're not at the end yet. Something else could still go wrong later on that we don't know about. So until it's in the government's hands, there's still always a possibility of something else going wrong. And and I want to preserve the time for that contingency and not for the comments. Does that
1: make sense? It it, it does, and I, and I was thinking in terms of uh, when I'm writing the source selection evaluation board report, and I'm I'm going through the same exercise of oh we printed it out because you know you don't you don't make a hundred copies of it, but still it's a document that you may have to have a, a four star general review it, right? So oh there's a comment in here, oh you know it's the same exercise, but the difference is we don't really have a clock on us. I mean on the government side there's there, exactly the, the mission needs to get done. I get it. I mean everybody expects the work to get done, but it's that, that one doesn't go away. Like you and I love your analogy of you know the, if a billion is the number the one up front if that goes away you're back to zero right well in on the government side it doesn't matter oh, this is going to sound kind of snarky but it doesn't matter how long we delay it on the RFP or on the on the evaluation side the the billion may get smaller but the one doesn't go away <laughs> where it, it's binary um, and and that sense of urgency and and I, it's interesting I, I was laughing because there I can remember the moment we had uh, one of the first proposals that we helped a company with I remember it came off the printer. And I didn't like the color that I I thought it was going to be a certain color of red, and it came out a different. It was like a little bit lighter, and the company's logo was red, and, and it was just off, right? And it was a serial tweak. It was in my head. I'm like, oh, well, we can fix that. It's going to be easy. But then, thank God, I thought about it for a second, and realized well, it's the same red on you know all 20 pages of the proposal. So it's not a small thing to do because it's not like you know these were this graphic shows up everywhere. If I change the red tone on the on the logo in the front, then it's not going to match the rest of them, and it creates. A project and here we are you know in in that case i think we were printing it out the night before it was due so okay maybe we could have taken the time but the other point you make that that we quickly forget is that we're not done yet like this is the first printout right there's you you haven't run into problems with like boxing and the ups guy is going to run it late and like there's all these other things that are probably going to happen between now and delivery that you, you haven't you know haven't had a chance to run into yet
2: so i think you know one thing that um it might help government contracting officers to realize is that we have metrics for how much time, uh, how much of the response time should be spent on on document production and quality control. And, and if you read the proposal book and you go to proposal school and you take the proposal test, this is always a question, what the percentage of response time is that should be devoted to this. And it's between... 10 and 20%. Now there's variables that go into that hard copy versus soft copy, those kinds of things. Do you have, do you have to burn CDs? Do you not have to burn CDs? But the interesting thing is there's another metric um, associated with the percent of time that should be spent planning. And and that's also 10 to 20%. So the message back to government is guess what? Uh, if you have a three-week response time embedded in your RFP, you can pretty much bet that only a week and a half of that is going to be spent actually generating content if there's a very complicated statement of work and you're expecting a 75 page technical proposal there's going to be a lot of people working really really hard to get those 75 pages done within a week and a half, I can tell you logistically, it, it can be pretty much of a train wreck, no matter how smart the people are, no matter how well they know their stuff. So, just lop off half of your response time to something other than generating content. And, and I think and until you've been through this process a lot of times, you don't recognize that. And even if you have been through it, it's always a struggle. The technical people, they want to chop off the planning time and they want to chop off the production time. <laughs> so every proposal, it's a struggle to meet those metrics. That's why the metrics were established. And there's there's good reasons for both of them. But there's definitely good reasons for the ones associated with document production um, and 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 that that physical delivery of the proposal, if the planning isn't done well, you sort of suffer down the road. But if the production isn't done well, it's that it's that it's that one at the beginning of the big number.
1: Yeah, you, you got to get it right to actually have it be delivered and make it have it be compliant. Because if you only submit three copies instead of five, you're, whoops. <laughs> you whoops, you got a different problem. Yeah. Is there, is this and I, I, it's interesting that you say the the idea of uh twenty percent planning, twenty percent production. That's forty percent. So it leaves you with you know sixty percent, right? So roughly half. And never thought of that. Yeah. Never even considered that as a CEO. And, and you know what? If you're a contracting officer and you're thinking about that, rock star. Because <laughs> it never it never dawned on me. You know, now that we're in fact even as you're saying that some some of the proposals that we've done. You're right. It's about twenty percent planning. And then the last couple of days, so like on a, it, say it's a 30-day cycle, the, for the last two to three days, which is about 10%, is putting everything together. And it could be more or less, depending on if you know, if it's electronic, it's not nearly as burdensome. But still, there's, there's time there.
2: No, I was just going to say, on the distinction between electronic and um, hard copy, um, there are things that the government sometimes asks for that. Generate a, a lot of pages, way more pages than they might understand. And I'm thinking of things like um, quarterly. I believe they're called the, the reports to the SEC, the 10Ks. Mm-hmm. Um, some of those for public companies, those can be pretty long. And and I have tried to point this out in the question and answer. Only to get the response back from the government, read the RFP or something like that. Well, yes, we read the RFP. That's why we're trying to tell you that putting in the annual SEC report and the 10K is going to add 300 pages to each of 400 copies, you know, <laughs> What what is there, or do do you really want that? Do you really understand all those pages that you're asking for? But on the distinction between electronic and hard copy delivery, the electronic delivery does not reduce the production time by the 90% that everybody thinks it does. It, It simply doesn't for lots of really good reasons. That document has to be printed out to do the final check. It has to be printed out to do what we call the white glove, which is, you know, did it get formatted, you know, did it get formatted correctly so it's going to pull up on the screen correctly? And it has to get printed out really to do a good compliance check
0: because
2: when the human eye keeps looking at pages on a computer screen, there are things that it glides right by and there's science to back this up. that that, that, that those final checks have to be done on paper. That the eye is going to see things on discrete pieces of paper that it will not see on consecutive monitors, no matter how good the monitor. So, still end up printing it out. And I would say, just if I had to pull a number out of thin air, I would say it might cut down the production time by 20 or 25% that it doesn't cut the production time in half, and it definitely doesn't reduce it by 90% the way intuitively you would think it would.
0: Yeah,
1: that's that's an interesting point. I was thinking that that the part you save time on is just packing up the boxes. But the packing up the boxes, that's the main part. It's all of the... That I remember, it's funny, I remember we had to print it out, uh, and we, we actually would open it on a Macintosh, and then we'd open it and print it, and then open it on a PC and print it, and, and make sure that it looks exactly as, as we expect, because you're right, when you're looking, when the human eye can see the whole page at once, all of a sudden, the margins look off, Well, you, that's, that's a random example, but it's true, you look at it on a monitor, you, you don't see the top and bottom at the same time, and you know, take that concept and apply it to you know, a couple hundred pages, and it's pretty easy to see why it kind of makes sense to print. Uh, one thing I I love how you to, to backtrack a second. I love how you pointed out the the K1 um that so and by, by the way K1 is a, it's a it's a reporting tool for for the IRS that you know if you have ownership in a company you you this is part of your tax forms et cetera. But basically what we're saying here is that this is this is Hanlon's razor. Is the the, the whole idea of of don't attribute to malice what can be explained by a lack of knowledge is that when a contracting officer is told hey we need to know we need to have their K1s We need to have you know whatever reason they have for, for putting that out there they they may not realize I mean, for Skyway, the K ones, you know, it's a couple pages, right? But we're not a publicly traded company. (laughs) The the rules change, and the numbers get bigger, and the pages get longer.
2: You said something else about an experience of yours of you know um, of being doing something late at night. Um, Another lesson learned over the years in proposals: the the mistakes are almost never made before six PM. People get tired and, and they start trying to do stuff evening hours or overnight. And, and that's when all the mistakes are made. And again, it's a, it's a single point of failure situation. Just, just one production mistake can throw the whole thing off.
1: I like that rule. That's that, that, you know what? That's my takeaway <laughs> is that, is that n- nearly, nearly all, I'm going to say it this way, nearly all mistakes are made after 6 p.m. And that it's funny looking back. I remember, even if I, I remember I had to write a, um, it was an executive summary, and it was only four pages, but I had to take this 25-page proposal and cram it into the story of it, into four pages, and, you know, hit all the highlights, et cetera, and, and I, I remember it was it was almost an all-night. It was one of those that, that – this is back in the early days, when we, we weren't as good as at planning, and what was interesting is I remember it took me like – I don't know. It felt like all night. Well, it's because I – my brain was fried, and to your point, I don't know how many mistakes I made. I'm sure it wasn't it wasn't my we ended up having to probably edit it a bunch the next day, but either way, even if I got it done, I didn't get it done as well, and I didn't get it done as fast and I think that's that's another takeaway here is that it's one of the reasons that we don't record podcasts in in the middle of the night <laughs> because you know you're just tired and you make more mistakes, et cetera. so that concept, I love how you you phrased it.
2: I have only been part of one all-nighter in all the years I've been doing proposals. And as I told everybody before, Kevin, I'm a grandmother, so I've been at this for a while. I was only part of one all-nighter. I had, I could not have anything to do with the production team. It had to get handed off to a group of people who were producing it. And we did not have adequate communication with them and it kept going on. It was midnight. It was one o'clock. It was two o'clock. We still didn't have our proof copy. When all the proposals appeared, guess what was missing from the proposal? There was no price. Okay? The, wow. the cell that said total, right? They're all the buildup was there, but the cell that said total was missing. So this is because people were up all night doing stuff and, and, you get tired and you miss things. That that
1: that is a legendary story to finish on. Is there is there a takeaway that jumps out at you, like the one thing to kind of wrap us up that you want to make sure everybody gets?
2: I think both sides would do well to recognize what it actually takes in terms of time to be compliant with the instructions for document preparation of a government proposal and and recognize that as a necessary evil because in some ways it does seem like something of a waste of time to have to be so persnickety about all these different little things. That is just a part of government acquisition, and let's recognize it and say it really is going to take between 10 and 20% of the response time and and not try to pretend that we can do it unless less. A government would do well to recognize that and in industry we would do much better to recognize that
1: and that's that's the whole accept the world as it is not as you wish it to be and and that's that's a really good point to just if we both understand that this is this is 20 percent of the effort so not only plan for it on the industry side but expect that the industry folks are going to spend that time and and plan accordingly
0: Okay, that's it for another episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast. Check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Remember, if you have ideas for topics for the Contracting Officer Podcast, send me an email at paul at contractingofficerpodcast.com. Thanks for joining us.